Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take it. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. And alongside me tonight, we got Hunter, without a nickname so far, from <laughs> Iowa. How are you doing tonight, Hunter? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Finally got a little bit of cold weather, so I'm a little bit excited. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. The main meat of the podcast tonight, guys, is going to be a hunt update. We haven't done a pure hunt update podcast in a long time, but it used to be one of my favorites back in the day, and I know you guys enjoyed them as well. So we're reviving it. We got some cool, some really, really cool stories to tell. Um, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, this is going to be a great one just because we have I know that I have multiple like really cool stories to share with you, and and I've been uh, chomping at the bit honestly all week to to let you you know. And some of the people, you know, hats out of the bag, hats cats out of the bag, um, <laughs> on some of it already. But um, yeah, do we got any kind of like updates or anything we should do before we get into that, or should we just jump? Let's jump right into that. Um, no, I mean, like, I don't have any updates other than goose hunting now that I can't duck right. hunt. So right. the only updates I, mean, I have one is thing we should say is it's, you know, happy new year's. Um, yep. We've had two podcasts come out this year so far. Um, at the time of this recording, this one will be probably Monday, the, um, eighth. So a week after new year's, um, it's the fourth right now where we're recording it. Um, but happy new year's to everybody. Hope you guys had um, a good year and are excited for 2024. I know that I'm excited. We have, honestly, we have a ton of things already in the works planned that are in store. Um, Hunter, you're going to be a big part of all those things too. So um, yeah, honestly, we've, we've been keeping it under wraps for pretty much the whole duck season. Yeah, pretty much. So, the, I mean, yeah, it's been the whole duck season. Right. There's little teasers if you know where to look that might guide you to what we're talking about. But very, very few people, very few, I would say less than like five or six, maybe know what we're talking about. Yeah. But it's all going to come to light um, later on this year. And uh, we're excited for all that and just everything else that we got in store with the podcast and all that. So, um, yeah, let's get a quick word from our partners and we'll jump right back to um, the hunt updates. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Weatherby. Guys, Weatherby makes some awesome waterfowl shotguns. Um, this year, I've shot the 18i. I've shot the Element. I've shot the side, the the Orion SXS side by side, and I think that's it. Oh well, I got the I've shot the the Deluxe as well, the 18i Del- Deluxe 20 gauge as well. So they got some really really great options. I've been popping. Um, hopping between all of them and been loving it. Um, they've been known for their excellence in rifles for many years. Um, and now they're known for their excellence in shotguns as well. So definitely if you're in the market for a shotgun this year or coming up, uh, definitely consider Weatherby. You won't regret it. Also like to be- give a big thanks. I stumbled on that one a little bit. Also like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Guys, Onyx has some great tools 
for the waterfowl hunter right there in the palm of your hands on your phone. You can get it out. You can use the measure tool. Um, you can use the water, the recent imagery, which I, I call it the water tool because I use that recent imagery tool to look at water levels, you know, a week prior, look at it in the summer, look at them all different times. Um, it's just such a useful tool when it comes to scouting. Um, when you're knocking on doors, getting that permission, you can click right on the property you're looking at. It gives you the tax information of the landowner. You drive there, you knock on the door, you get that yes, or you get that no, um, but you're hoping for the yes. And it's just making that process more streamlined and more efficient. Um, just makes hunting for duck hunter that much easier, that much better. So check them out, guys, over there at On X. Also, like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks, guys. Motion Ducks, we've been talking about them a lot. We've had them on the podcast. We've done some shorts from the podcasts um, with Motion Ducks. If you missed all that, you know it's uh, uh, definitely check it out because we put out some great information, especially on that podcast with Ben. Always a great guest, but uh, the Jerk Rig. It's the jerk rig on steroids, the, the motion ducks spreader. Um, this this is late season now, and it's perfect time to use it, perfect time to try it. Um, putting ripples in the water on those no-wind days, putting motion in the set, even on the on the windy days, it puts motion in the set, puts realism, helps finish those weary mallards, and we know we can we need all the help we can get, especially this time of year. So check them out over there. MotionDucks.com slash Duck and Chronicles. That's where you find the Duck Gun podcast, Duck Gun Chronicles deal. You can get the ultimate spreader with the free anchor bag. And if you use the code DuckGun10, you get a 10% discount as well, getting your best deal um, for that product. They also have tons of different other products, multiple different other products over there, um, whether it's just the single spreader with four ducks or the ultimate with seven or any combination of, of anything else they got. So, um, definitely check them out over there. And last one more is final approach. Final approach. Yep. So also like to give a big thanks to our partners over there at final approach, the one stop shop for the duck hunter. They got blinds, they got decoys, they got gear, they got the waterfowl backpack. They got other bl- blind bags. If you, if you don't want the backpack, but my opinion, that backpack is the best on the market. I love it. Um, and yeah, they got, uh, upgraded, Awesome waders this year with the the full zip down to your uh, your waistline. Um, I don't know if I can go back to ones without it after using those first season. Uh, <laughs> but anything you need as a duck hunter, whether it's waders, whether it's awesome decoys, whether it's a blind for different, you know, having a different tool in your tool belt for tackling different problems. Um, Final approach is there for you and they got what you need. So check them out over there, fabrand.com and use code DuckGun for your discount. All righty, let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast episode. So Hunter, I'm going to, I'll give you the, the, um, the right away. So you go ahead. Let's, let's hear your first story because I've been talking a lot. So, all right. Uh, well, the first story, I mean, well, let's see here. Let's see here. I'm trying to think back. So it would have been the first hunt that we've missed since the last time we've kind of like covered anything was I'd set up in a field and, and it ended up being a solo hunt in a field with, it was a muddy field. It was a muddy mess of a field. Like it was like one of the fields that when you walk in it, your feet are like two feet diameter freaking discs of mud just mm. slopping around. And for some reason, I decided it seemed like a really good idea to lay in a layout blind. And it's still, still pretty warm then? Yeah, it was warm. I don't know, 40s, something like that. It rained the night before. Again, 
just overall probably a bad idea to go hunt a field and something like that, but I didn't have anything scouted out over water. So I decided to go hunt this field and laid in a layout blind. It was a cut bean field and I brought out, I don't remember, 10 dozen silhouettes, something like that. No shells, nothing else, just silhouettes. And it was kind of a, this was a hunt that I'd set up off of a, like in the area that I'm hunting, there's a couple pretty big roost ponds, five to 10 roost ponds. And I'm setting kind of close to one of them. And what ends up happening is, is your first volley of shells always scares everything off the roost pond. But then throughout the day, throughout the morning, they kind of filter back to it. And then you call them back off the pond coming back to the field. So you can kind of traffic them into the field is kind of how we hunt it. And the pond that I had scouted that all the birds were coming from this field into, someone else happened to be set up on doing the exact same thing I was. And so they busted up the roost about a half hour before season. So here I am just laying in my layout blind watching, I don't know, probably close to a couple thousand geese fly over. And of course, it's dark out, so they can't see the spread. They can't see nothing. There's n- no reason to do anything. They're just going to fly over. And that's what they did is they flew over and went into the local local town. And that's where they stayed all day long. <laughs> mm. So did you even fire your gun or, or get a shot or? Yeah, I ended up actually shooting my limit of three geese that day. Just three solos throughout the morning came in, and I ended up shooting my three, but it was nothing special. That was about the only shots I had, and it was all three geese took all three shells to shoot. It was pretty embarrassing as far as the shooting was <laughs> concerned, and one of them was, was I'll admit, was a little bit of a farther shot, but it was the last bird, and it was getting kind of late, and I had other stuff to do, so it was kind of a poke, but the other ones were like, they were embarrassing. I was kind of, mm. it was bad. Like right. they were close enough that silhouettes were getting shot and I was still taking three shells to shoot the birds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've all had days like that, but you know, it's uh it's nice to, to finish that solo limit. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you solo hunt pretty often then or? Yeah, but n- almost never for geese because I'm only allowed to shoot three here. And so it's kind of, it kind of doesn't make sense to go set a big field, spread in a field where we have to traffic to only be able to shoot three. So you usually try to have a couple more guys just to spread the workout. But that was on a, a weekday between Christmas and new year's. And you know, everybody's got family stuff going on and everything else. And it was like last minute. I was kind of like, ah, screw it. I'll go out and try to try to chase some geese. I can say confidently that I've never wait. You know, as soon as I say that, I have to take that back. I was going to say, I've never field hunted by myself. Really? Right. Yeah, I was going to say I haven't, but I've I've done it one time. Hmm. See, two of the stories I have were solo field hunts. That's funny. And honestly, I think it's like kind of satisfying because I think it's kind of easy if you have a group of like four guys, right? So you're you're one, there's three others. It's pretty easy for someone else in the group to be doing the calling that's actually making a difference in a field because your goose calling makes a huge difference. And I am, if there's an average, I'm a little bit below average on my goose calling ability. And so like I tend to not call when I'm around other people because other people are better than me. They can do a better job. So like when I'm by myself, it's like I feel more satisfied because like I'm the one that called them. I'm right. still learning how to goose goose hunt fields. And so like I'm the one that set the spread. I'm the one that adjusted it. You know, hides are no mm-hmm. big deal to me. I'm pretty good at making hides and figuring out hides. But like setting the spread and calling are like two things I'm still trying to learn how to do. And so it's like really satisfying when I'm doing it by myself because it's it's me. I was the one that did it. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, any part of duck hunting, um, especially if you're a new guy, you know, one thing I've, I've kind of always said is 
Um, there is, it's like you said, there's something satisfying, not satisfying about it, but not only that, but you can learn so much more. Um, just being forced to do everything yourself or make the adjustments. You have no one else to be like bouncing the idea, the ideas off. And even though like I'd be confident doing it myself in a field, um, you know, just having no one else there and you just have to make a decision and see how the birds react. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had quite a few solo hunts over the years, but usually my go-to for geese still is, uh, if I'm going to go solo, I'll, I'll go to like a field or like a backwater spot, not mm-hmm. a field, I'm at a river or a backwater spot, um, opposed to, like you said, it's a lot of work usually in the field, whether you're setting up an A-frame, because um, I, honestly, I don't even um, own a layout. That's how little <laughs> I layout hunt, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. It's like the only piece of gear I, that I cannot think of that uh, that I don't really have. Uh-huh. Um, I should I should probably get one, to be honest. I've had them in the past, but... Uh, I should yeah. get one. I don't know. Uh, like you can have layout hunts too, though. Like you'd think a layout blind, low profile, you wouldn't be able to get picked out, but there's like certain hunts that, you know, the geese will land on the boot bag. And then there's other times like this hunt where I was just talking about my solo hunt. They were like, you know, I was in a muddy field and I was in a layout blind that we'd found that in muddy fields, you actually take the brush off the blinds because otherwise the, and especially in a bean field, because it's just, it's a mud flat. It's like hunting on a mud flat, right? You don't want a big pile of brush sitting in the middle of a mud flat. And the geese were definitely picking off the blind. They were la- they were trying to land at like 35, 40 yards. Like that's where they were really trying to land. Right. And that's how you know, some like of the silhouettes got shot. On, but On hunts like that, it almost feels like uh, they're not like picking it out. They're just leery of it, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know what it is, but they're, they're leery of it. And then with a layout too, because you got to sit up. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes even more time. Thirty-five yards out of an A-frame is more obtainable than thirty-five yards out of a a layout. And I've actually found too, when you talk about layouts, that usually like more is better than 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 like one or two because it looks more natural to have like a longer kind of progressive hump than just one hump sticking up <laughs> out of that. So yeah, yeah, and I was like. One of the things about like this area is that I'd notice is that the, the geese don't really like the layouts when they silhouette them. So like if they're up on the top of a ridge line and then where this is at, the topography kind of makes it to where if you put the layout on the top of the ridge line, they can actually silhouette it from a really long ways off because it's kind of a high point. And so I'm like right. on the downside and the geese kind of want to land on the top, but you can't be on the backside because then you can't see anything coming. And so it's... It, kind of asking a lot of the geese i guess is what i was trying to say trying to for how they want to work i'm trying to ask them and to force them into doing something they don't necessarily want to do yeah if i was going to solo hunt a field i'd still hunt out of an (laughs) a-frame i mean i solo hunted in two of the two of the last hunts that i solo hunted i solo hunted out of a layout one so i guess i i guess i choose a layout i'm just yeah i would i would i'm just saying i would choose an a-frame mm-hmm not saying that a layout's wrong. We've done it in layouts before. It's just uh, definitely my preference out of an A-frame. And uh, I think that some days you're going to have the advantage in an A-frame. Some days you're going to have an advantage in a layout, and you really don't know until you just hunt it. Yeah. So I'll just take the coin flip and, and go with what I enjoy more. Yeah. I mean, like, I really do enjoy the A-frame. And, like, well, we'll get to it. But I I do think that you can really put an A-frame in the middle of a field and have it be successful but it relies on a lot of other stuff and it relies on the geese. Like in our area, they get, they get pressured pretty heavily. 
And so it relies on them to not have seen it a bunch of times, right? So if they're used to seeing a group of geese in a field with a six foot tall, 12 foot long lump next to them, they just tend not to land next to them. And we actually get to the point here, we're, we're starting to notice it, me and my buddies at Scout, where the geese won't land with other geese. So if there's a group of like 50 or 100 geese sitting in a field, the geese are like setting up on them and then they'll land like 200 yards away and then walk across the field into them because they're already getting like that decoy shy and everything. Well, at least that's what our theory is. I mean, there's no reason for them not to land with other real geese in a field. Yeah. No, so. that's, yeah. That's interesting. I'd wonder, you know, over time how that theory uh, progresses for you, but um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you tell us about your first hunt here? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So um, we are in our second split for, Northern Indiana and Southern Michigan also has their second split during this time. Um, so every year we go out of duck and then come back in. It's like about, I think it's around two weeks. Um, and then duck comes back in. So that was kind of um, the last hunt I talked about having uh, my nephew get his first ducks, which hi- one of the highlights of the season for sure. Super cool. He's super jacked about it. Um, but then leading into that or following that rather uh, Michigan second split happens and it's two days long right at the end of their season for ducks. And, um, you know, this is looked forward to for me just about as much as like opener, um, locally, because it just tends to be, you know, either one of these splits just tend to be, um, really good for whatever reason, you know, I don't know. It's obviously because the birds get some rest we're getting later in the season. Um, definitely had some unique opportunities over the years with like late season river hunts and all that. So anyways, kind of all that to say, I'm just really looking forward to uh, these hunts and um, the opportunity they're going to provide. So we get up to this and weather really is kind of mediocre. They keep saying it's going to get cold, but it doesn't. Um, But either way, still excited to get out there and um, get out on the first part of the Michigan South Zone opener. Um, So I go out, end up going out solo. um, And with these solo hunts, it's like you said, sometimes there's just some satisfaction. And I've actually taken people um, quite a bit this season, a lot, uh, maybe more than just any other season, like taking some new guys and taking my nephew. And so... um, you know, it's kind of nice to to have a solo hunt to myself. Um, the only thing that really um, that really is disappointing about it is not having a hunting dog. Um, and I say that because I got Chief. He's a pup. He's nine months. And I've said it like almost like half serious, half joking, probably a dozen times in like the last two months because turn eight months. Now he just turned nine months. And uh, so like in the last like four weeks, I'm like, I'm just going to take him. I'm just going to take because that's what I want to do. I want to take him because he retrieves awesome in the backyard. He has drive like you wouldn't believe. He's a little athlete, and he's just going to be awesome. Got him from Southern Oak Kennels North. Well, now they call it Southern Oak Kennels Great Lakes. I need to double-check that, but I think it's Southern Oak Kennels Great Lakes. That's their new their new name they've, they've uh, switched to. Um, instead of, I guess it was confusing, Southern Oak Kennels North, like South and North. But uh, anyways, I really want to take this dog. Um, and honestly, it's, it's still tough to like watch last year's videos. 
Like I was watching some of my own videos from last year. I know that's maybe that's a little strange, but I enjoy watching my old hunts, right? That's part of why I did the YouTube thing, just to have like be able to relive the memory. And uh, you know, it's awesome with your with your dog being able to see it. But at the same time, um, man, it's it's still a little tough. Like it's still uh what's the right way? It tugs at the heartstrings a little bit, just seeing your your buddy and a man. It's like what could have been this year, you know, having him along for those hunts and, and have him there to retrieve ducks and geese and and i've probably lost more this year than i've any other season um just because you'll have one here or there and just lands on the bank and goes up in the brush and like i'm i'm not a dog like i'll see it go right in there and sometimes you find it and sometimes you don't so um it's not like i've lost a ton of birds i just want to you know <laughs> but more than thing. normal it's not like right right for sure like when we're talking like you lose like just a handful in a season mm-hmm Right. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, you're losing, you know, a couple handfuls or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, maybe double. Maybe it goes from five to like 10 or whatever. I haven't exactly tracked it, but yeah, I just when, can think of a lot more times where I've lost birds this year not having a dog. Yeah. But, you know, just not only that, but then when you go on a solo hunt with a dog, you're never really going on a solo hunt. You're sharing it with them. They're not a person, but, you know, you're, you're sharing it with them. Um, and that's probably why we're so, you know, so close to our hunting buddies. Um, yeah. So anyways, like I said, solo hunt was nice, but even that like kind of reminded me of, you know, having, having chief in the past, um, and having, having that hunting buddy. Uh, but anyways, let's, let's talk about the hunt. So I get out there and (laughs) I actually agreed to, smoke a pork butt. We're going to have to step back a little bit for my nephew, my other nephew, not the one that shot the duck's birthday. Um, and get up, started the night before, get up in the morning and everything's just going wrong. I won't get into the fine details of it, but everything's going wrong. I'm running late. Probably good that I didn't invite anybody else. Um, and I'm like almost not going to make the hunt, but I'm like, um, also I'm fighting a cold. And so, I'm like, am I even going to go? I'm like, yes, I'm going to go. Like, I already got up. I got to fight through getting all this ready. Got that ready. And then I go. And But by the time I get there, by the time I get to the hunt, like, I'm setting up. And you and me talked about it the night before. I had this plan to use the FA blind and have it ready to go and this and that. And I brought my hedge trimmer to cut brush and everything. I should have had time to brush it in, all that. But running behind, smoking the port butt. Like got up at four in the morning, still didn't have time to get everything going. Um, get out there and there's ducks flying around like crazy. Been looking forward to this hunt for a long time. Second split, usually it's a fire hunt. And here I am, like messing around with this blind while I I'm like so aggressively trying to brush that I can't even hear anything. But all of a sudden I just stop. I'm like, I need to listen. And I just hear ducks chattering and quacking. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, what am I doing? So, um, I hunker down, grab my gun and the first duck like starts to cup right into the set. And I turn around and I'm on this bog, which we've talked about bogs before, but it's pretty much floating vegetation. Um, that's a little shaky. There's lots of holes in it and it's uneven ground. So this mallard with no wind to speak of just decided to cup in like pretty much over my shoulder and towards the decoys. And so I turn and go to shoot him and first shot. And I literally like flip over on my back. Cause I like fall in a hole as I 
turn around and shoot. And the blind just goes flying. And gear goes flying. And uh, I haven't even looked back at the video, but it's on oh. video. So I don't know if that video will see the light of day. Um, but needless to say, on this hunt, um, it was so weird because we just talked about shooting slumps in the Q&A portion of the previous podcast. And I had like the worst shooting slump I've had this year for sure. And I was talking to you during the hunt. <laughs> I missed like three mallards that were cupping in and a fourth one. I didn't even shoot at. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't shoot at at all. And yeah, so that was just my day. Just poor shooting. It was terrible. Um, I was shooting the, the weathery side by side, which like historically, as far as this season, from like the second I shot the gun, it, it was just shouldered great. It fit great. I was hitting everything. But like there was some mental thing going on where I just couldn't hit anything. Do you think it was because um, of that rush? Goose. So what? Do you think it was because of that rush in the morning? I always feel like I have a worse day when I like have that rush where I feel rushed to set up. Right. I mean, yeah, potentially. Potentially it could have been. I don't know what it was or else. Yeah, gotta fix yeah, it, right? fix but, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had I had a handful of mallards I missed. I had um, a pair of geese come in, call them all the way across the lake. Like I said, super jacked that, you know, I did this. I pulled these geese over. Here they come. They come right in front. I'm like, okay, they're at 30 yards. They're cupping in. They're going to go a little past. I think he's going to spin one more time. Sure enough, they spin around my back all the way, come in the other side. I mean, wings beating over the decoys, and I whiff over two. Just, I mean, 20 yards. I shoot, you know, right before uh, he was about to, to land mm-hmm. and whiff over two. Have two speckle belly geese come in. Never shot a speckle belly in my life. And we just don't have them in the area. Very few opportunities. I can't even think of how many times, but it's been like less than five opportunities to shoot at speckle bellies um, or to like work speckle bellies even. They come in, I mean... A little bit out there, but not unreasonable. And whiff over two again. <laughs> so I'm like super down about this hunt. Um, I probably could be like sitting at like a duck limit and like three or four geese. <laughs> One of the like belly. Old, right. A big old goose goose egg. And, um, you know, this is like the, the hunt you want a buddy on there because he could have saved you and, and mm-hmm. shot like most of those birds and you'd still be disappointed. But like, that's the other thing about when you solo hunt, like the mistakes can be glaring, right? Yep. They can, they can stick out because there's nobody else to blame, but yourself. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I did all that, <laughs> like the good and the bad, right? I called those geese off of their group. The rest of the group went out to a field and fed and I called two in, they circled and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't finish. Mm-hmm. I couldn't finish the, the job on, on, on killing them. Uh, once they got into the decoys. So now this is when it gets crazy. So um, I have one more uh, goose come in and uh, I shoot him and I wing him and I'm like, okay, this is great. Like I'm just packing up and he sailed. I should say he sailed across the lake. It's a long lake. I mean, he sailed. I'm, it had to be like a mile. Um, I was looking on Onyx. <laughs> really? Like he, after I shot him, his wing, like he couldn't flap it, but he just coasted. And he coasted like with the wind hmm. down the lake and just how do you know, like one wing just kind of how did you down. see him go down that far away? I, all I know is that he couldn't fly, right? Yeah. 
he couldn't flap his wing and he just coasted. Mm-hmm. He just coasted. And you've you've shot ones that have done that before, right? Yeah, like in a field. So, yeah. And, okay. So I did that on the lake. The only place he could go was this is like a long skinny lake. It okay. Was down the lake. So he just coasted down the lake. I didn't see him land, but he wasn't flying. He wasn't flapping his wing. And it was for sure I hit him, you know, but mm-hmm. didn't kill him. So um got all my stuff packed up. I mean, took took a while. I didn't think I was gonna be able to find this bird. Uh, because he just sailed for so far. But I'm like, I'm going to go drive the boat down and take a look for him. And sure enough, I drive down the lake. All the geese that were landing on the other side of the lake get up, and here's one that would try to fly. He'd flap his wings, and mm-hmm. he couldn't get off the water. Yeah, He'd flap his wings, and he couldn't get off the water. It's it just this one solo goose. So um, I, I take down there. I'm in the duck torpedo. Like I said, packed up all my gear, got down there. And here's this one goose. So, <clears throat> excuse me. In Michigan, they have um, a law where I'm getting a throat lozenger. <laughs> I'm still finishing off the last parts of this cold. I'm talking a whole bunch is, uh, you know, having its effects. But in Michigan, uh, the property laws are that you have to have permission to fire a gun, to hunt. Um, even if it's a public lake, it's you have to have permission from the person who has even as a public lake you have to have permission from the private landowners access so the way they do it is they put a point in the middle of the lake and they draw a pie shaped oh uh, boundary or okay pie shaped pie shaped boundaries all the way around it so you have a piece of pie that if your house is on the lake you own it so i can't shoot in any of those pieces of pie that i haven't talked to the landowner and have permission also you have to be 150 yards away from a permanent place of dwelling. Okay. All those things considered, I run up on this goose and in the past, it's like you just get your dog out and eventually your dog gets it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I can't shoot it. Oh, because you're outside of where you have permission. Right. I'm outside of where I have permission now. So, um, I just try to run it down with my boat and I'm like, okay, he's just going to get tired or I'm going to be able to get close enough and grab him. I've never tried this before. Because usually, like I said, you have your dog, mm-hmm. he dives, the dog's right there. And usually they dive like two or three, four or five times at most. And the dog is right there and grabs him. So I'm trying to be the dog with the bow and it just doesn't work. Cause I'm not quick enough. Like he pops up behind me. I got a long tail on like this, um, crazy looking layout boat. Mm. And so, I mean, I try to get him like that for a half hour. Really? So yeah, that's 30 commitment. minutes. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and uh, I honestly did not, like, he was just right there. I'm just like, he has to get tired mm-hmm. and give up. But he didn't, you know, and I was I was shocked by that. But every time I'm like, okay, well, he has to be close now. Mm. And he just didn't. So next thing I know, and, and the whole time I'm doing this, I am, like, spinning in circles in front of this one really nice house that's right there that's where that goose was yeah and so after 30 minutes of doing this i look over and there's this guy standing in his window <laughs> with his arms crossed he's got this this white v-neck t-shirt on. i could just see him like standing there and, and i'm like oh just imagine the worst like this guy thinks i'm like torturing this goose and really i'm i injured it. i'm trying to yeah you know do my due diligence and retrieve it and also i'm trying to be legal i'm not shooting this bird yeah right in front of his house so, yeah, all I have to say is um, I decide that I'm like, okay, well, 
before this guy gets mad or whatever, I, I'm just, I've done my due diligence. This goose is not going to give up. There's no way for me to retrieve it. So I start driving away in my boat and I look over, you know, I get some motion out of the side of my eye. I look over and he walks out into his porch, his back porch mm-hmm. and he's on his phone. I'm like, Oh no, he's calling the police or the DNR or this or that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I see this goose and the goose actually, he has a, this guy has a, a boat launch built into his backyard. Okay. It's a nice house. Yeah. Um, and like comes like between the storm wall into his backyard and the goose starts to climb up on the boat launch. <laughs> now that I'm gone, I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to this guy. So I turn around, he hangs up the phone. I go over there. Hey, um, I see the goose is right there on your boat launch. Do you mind if I get it? He's like, yeah, that's fine. So I guess my uh, perceptions were wrong. Like he didn't, he didn't care. He probably was just laughing at me and yeah, and this and that, you know. So I slowly nose up to the boat launch, and the goose doesn't have anywhere to go. And as soon as that boat hits the boat launch, I jump out, and the goose stands up and starts running. So now I'm just trucking like, <laughs> waders on everything, like trucking through this guy's backyard, running as fast as I can. And just um, John Cena, and this the goose. Landowner, yeah, and and this guy is <laughs> laughing at me. He's laughing. I'm chasing this goose through his backyard. The goose jumps off the storm wall under the water. I don't even hesitate. I <laughs> jump right off the storm wall as well. I land in like waist deep water. And as soon as I land, this thing dives down. And so I look down in the water and I can see him swimming. Like I didn't even think I'd be able to see him, but I can see him swimming. So now I'm trying to like run through, through the, water. the water. And I'm, I'm like, I'm keeping pace with it. Actually, I'm gaining <laughs> on the goose. And this whole time is under the water like two feet under the water, mm-hmm. just swimming. And I'm just gaining on him, gaining on him. Next thing I get up, I'm like chest deep water. And I look down and the goose is like right in front of me. And you know, like, uh, <laughs> you ever played, this, this is probably going to date me, but I used to play this game, right? It was called, um, I can't remember. It was like the Amazon River. It was like made after kind of like the Oregon Trail. Okay. Uh, never, you never played it. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> one of the things you had to do was like spearfish. Okay. And there's the, uh, the refraction. You know, if you're yeah. a bow fisherman, you, same thing. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about the refraction, but I went to like grab this goose's butt and my hand just shot right oh. past and grabbed it right in the neck, even though <laughs> I was aiming for the butt. It was like a perfect snag. And so like I like dove when I did it too, grabbed it and I came out of the water, goose in my hand. Just victory and, speech. And they, the, right. And this guy is like just standing up there. I was like, you know, I was so, I was actually like, I wasn't even like excited. I was like relieved. And like, like it was just like a sigh of relief and almost like a little bit of their frustration left, but not, not a lot because I've been through a lot on that. Hunt. Is there a GoPro and, footage uh, you running across this guy's yard looking for this guy? I wish there was. <laughs> oh no. Not. The head mount would have been epic. It would have been epic. It would have been. Um, but anyways, um, guys laughing at me. I get up there. Oh, that was a little bit of work. I'm like, yeah, it was. And I look down at the goose. And the goose is banned. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I I'm like, are you a waterfowl hunter? He's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, I said, oh, you wouldn't understand them. But it's like, this is unbelievable. I can't believe it. This goose is banded. <laughs> and um, then he proceeded to tell me a story about one that got caught in a fishing line and how it's good to turn him in or this or that. So yeah. he really didn't understand like the significance to a waterfowl hunter. Yeah. And now I have it goose banned right here on the lanyard. <laughs> and it's got a story. So was that's, it, that's hilarious. Was it local bird? Uh, yes. It okay. Was. That's so funny though. Yep. 
I mean, they always say right. the cripples are like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story of like the guys like, well, I chased after the crippled cripple ended up being the banded one for the day. Right. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and it was Michigan banded bird. So, um, yeah, super cool. And yeah, I wouldn't have guessed in a million years. The thing was, I honestly, when I was chasing around, it was diving. I tried to look at his feet a few times and I never saw it. Mm. You know, because they flip real quick and like push down with their feet. Yeah. It's almost like he kept his feet in the water to like push down. Mm. So I couldn't see the bottom of his feet when he did it. But I mean, I guess you were yeah. rewarded for all your work that you did on that one. Right. It was it was about 45 minutes because I quit <laughs> at like a little before 11 and then it was 11. By the time I got got back to the boat, I looked at my phone. It was 1145. <laughs> Man. I mean, I guess that explains a pretty big gap in Marcos because I was getting Marcos from you and you were like, man, this hunt kind of kind of isn't the thing. I'm kind of having a bad time with all this. And then all of a sudden I get a Marco of you like nothing. And then all of a sudden I get a Marco of you being kind of jolly again with no explanation. And I guess that makes sense now. Yeah, because I didn't tell you any of that, right? No, you didn't tell me anything. Did I tell you I got a band though? You sent me a single like two second clip of the bird with the band sitting on the front of the boat. But I don't even remember if you sent it to me that day or if you sent it to me the next day. Mm. Yeah. I knew I was say I was saving that story for the podcast. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. It'll be one that I think I always remember. So. <laughs> that band will always have I mean, that. It was memory. a terrible hunt. It's still like, it still didn't make the hunt like great. Here's the thing. I say a terrible hunt, but like, I still enjoyed being out there. I still enjoyed like the sights and the sound, watching the, the marsh wake up, watching birds work, all that kind of stuff. I was frustrated with myself and my inability to shoot. So, and it just happens. Yeah. If you're going to waterfowl hunt and you're going to waterfowl hunt 60 times a year, like there's just going to be days where things don't go right. And you just have to like roll with the hunches with the punches. Um, like I say, it was terrible, but it really like, it, like I've been waterfowl hunting enough now that I wasn't like all like gloomy and this or that. It was more mm-hmm. like, you know, I just wanted to vent my frustrations with you when I was talking to you on, on Marco, but yeah. like it didn't like, it wasn't going to ruin my day. Anyway. Yeah. Whereas like when I was younger and when I first started waterfowl hunting, that would have really ate me up. But now I'm like, it's part of it. You got to fight through it. You're going to have days like that and you're going to have awesome days too. And I'll take both of them with open arms because I love and I'm passionate about all parts of waterfowl. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're ready for story number two on my side here? Story story number two. All right. So to make a, a long prefix much shorter, uh, I ended up setting up with some new guys I just met. Uh, we, ended up, we were out scouting, ran into them. They were scouting similar fields. Turned out they had permission from same farmers on fields, but... You know, sometimes it happens. I ended up just setting up. We we decided that we were going to hunt the next morning together. And he has what has got to be one of, if not the coolest duck hunting, goose hunting equipment I've ever seen in my entire life. And I like boats. I'm a boat guy. I've lots of boats, seen lots of cool boats. But this was a trailer. It's a trailer blind, right? So it's a okay. I've seen trailer running awesome. gear, blind on top of it, steel sides, really super nice. Take it out into the field. I've seen trailer blinds before, right? This one's does it. Oh. This one's cooler. Does it drop down? Yes. Okay. It's on the ice hut, like running gear, where you drop it all the way down to the ground, to where like the uh, the axles and stuff, the axles and stuff like lift up, and so it sits like a foot and a half lower, 
not that it really matters. You're in a four foot blind anyways, but it was all steel with permanent heaters inside of it. Big bench seat. Super nice. Super awesome. You don't think that matters to drop down an extra foot and a half? I think what it does is I think it helps brush the blind better because otherwise you have like that space underneath that I think would be hard right. to cover. And that's hard to do, yeah. Would be hard to cover. I think that's what it really does. And it makes it to where like when you're going down the road, you don't have like that brush hanging down, getting caught on the field entrance and everything else. If I had to sure. say, I've never used a trailer blind. So this is me just total shot in the dark. We're just using it. And it actually ended up being kind of a windy morning. It was like 12, 14 mile an hour. And I think that having it down on the ground like that probably would help from like the wind getting underneath the floor and like being cold. Mm. That's just a, just a theory. I, I have no idea, but he had this thing it is super slick. We just had all the decoys out inside of it. And actually we were just originally going to hunt out of panel blinds and a fence row. And cause we thought the field wasn't gonna be frozen. We had like three inches of fresh snow, but we didn't think the field had froze underneath the snow. We thought it was going to be like slimy. Right. And so we first drove right, out yeah. there with just the panel blinds and we we're like, ah, oh, now we can definitely, he's like, we can definitely take the trailer. And I'm like, well then let's do that. That sounds like yeah. definitely the way to go. And we did that. And the morning ended up, we shot a couple, whatever, wasn't very good. And we decided, Hey, we've been scouting this. The birds have really been using it in the afternoon. And so we're like, all right, well, let's try to hunt this field the afternoon. We'll just leave the whole setup out here, come back out at like, I think we decided that like two, two thirty, something like that, go home, eat lunch, take a nap, come back out essentially. So we went back out and we got in the field, no more than got the guns loaded. And it was on like Donkey Kong. We ended up shooting our four man limit that day in the afternoon. And, uh, it was, it was honestly one of the better goose hunts I've ever been on as far as like. The geese would lock up quarter, half mile out and just set straight with the wind, come right into the decoys. Uh, the bigger groups, we had a, I think the biggest group we like really worked was about 15, 20 birds, which isn't that big, but they circled two or three times and then set. But what we were really doing is that there are these bigger flocks of, I don't know, 50 to a hundred birds. And then you'd get three or four to come off the flock and then they would set with the spread. And then, you know, with four guys, it's pretty easy to clean up birds like that pretty quickly. And uh, it was just, it was awesome. We shot our limit, had plenty of time. We were still picking up, had the decoys picked up during the daylight. And I ended up with this super awesome picture of the sunset in the background with all the birds laid out. And we were, the. Uh, it's kind of hard to say what one piece of equipment on something like that really is like what got you where you're at. But I will say one thing is we had a couple different styles of sleeper shells out. I had some older green headgear ones. He had some, I don't remember, but he also, we also had some final approach sleeper shells. And one thing I noticed about the final approach sleeper shells is how much taller they sat in the field. Like from a, when I went back to the truck, cause we actually had a goose that sailed a pretty long distance, went out to go get it. And I, when I looked back, I could only see the final approach sleeper shells among the other shells because they just like sat up that much higher in the snow, but for mm. what that's worth. But yeah, it was, it was an awesome hunt. It was on like Donkey Kong, but man, I had some shells that I let get snowed on. And then I had them out there and in my three geese, I think I had four duds where the shot rolled out of the oh, end man. of the barrel. And like, I was super nervous. I would like pull the trigger one time and check to make sure there wasn't a wad in my gun. Like I was so nervous about blowing right. up a shotgun that day, but mm. that's what I get for having old shells had water in them. But yeah, it was, 
it was awesome. It was a really fun hunt. I mean, for hunting with three guys I'd never met before the hunt, I'd like ran into one guy once before, just like, you know, knew who he was, knew that he was around, knew that he goose hunted and just kind of decided to set it up. And like I said, it was, it was a good hunt. We had a good time. Nice. Sound like that uh, drop down trailer made a big difference. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, I'm telling you, if you like A frames, this thing's like A frame to the next level. It's it's, <laughs> it's like so the, much better. The A frame palace. Oh, it's so cool. And like, he said that they had like built some previous ones. They had bought this one from somebody. Bought it, bought it custom made from somewhere. I, don't, I have no idea where. But I've I've never hunted out of a a, a trailer blind either, and I and I've never hunted out of a, a drop down one so neither one mm. um but man i the theory of it and the idea of it like you said there's multiple i think um benefits to it mm-hmm. i can't imagine that being a foot and a half down hurts no you know um and then too like you said the driving capability of keeping the all everything that's brushed above um getting in the field and on the highway then dropping it down and it really would be hard to get a natural look on the blind like sitting up that's brushed in every time when you get there and then like those little things Mm -hmm. you know how the blinds brushed around the bottom will make a difference on how birds finish for sure oh yeah uh, if i was ever to do a drop down trailer i mean it depends on the price for (laughs) sure because i'm I'm imagine that's a pretty penny but uh if if money's not an issue i think that's that'd be a a no-brainer for sure yeah and it was like super awesome because he just had all his full bodies and stuff like that in the decoy you know all my buddies, I'll use like enclosed trailers where he just took this thing with him and we just, that's super cool. and it had all the decoys in it. And the other thing, like the little, like, you know, it's interesting when you hunt with different people, the different little things that they all do that's different. And, uh, you know, there's had like a little bit of a high low to the blind. And then there was a front like push down that you would have over you when you would, uh, when you're like calling birds in and then you'd push it down okay. to stand up and shoot. And, I'd like used push downs before, but one of the things that they did that I thought was interesting was the, uh, the brush on the push down was actually, actually like the whisk from like a whisk broom. You know what I'm talking about? Like the wood handled whisk oh, broom. Wow. They found a place huh. to buy that in bulk and they just like had like two inch bundles of it all the way across zip tied. And so you could like see through oh. it. It was like super robust, you know, like when you think about a broom, it beats it going on the ground all right. the time. So and I'd never seen that. I'd seen like the raffia grass and that kind of stuff before. And this company makes like something right, like yeah. Tough Brush, I think, or something like that. But they use that and just spray painted it. And I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. FA makes the Tough Brush, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a cool idea. I've never thought about the, I've never heard of the the, the broom thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. They said that they buy it in like, like bulk and you can get like a, you know, a big box <laughs> of it, just like you get, you know, like when I buy raffia grass, I'll buy like 40 pounds of raffia grass comes in a big box right. and they're like, yeah, you can do the same thing with that. And I was like, that's a, that's a really, I'm going to put that one away in the bank. Right. Yeah, definitely. All right. So on to the next hunt that we're at. Right? Mm-hmm. So next hunt, if you remember one of my tips on a shooting slump is to change guns. That's my that's my number one tip. So, um, what do I do? I switch to the Weatherby twelve gauge eighteen I uh, semi auto because not only that, I'm like I probably need a, you know, if I'm struggling, I probably need to revive that third shot. So, um, go out for a solo hunt and um, you know get out there. 
again, it was just it was just nice to kind of sit there in the silence, in the dark of the marsh, um, and be by yourself. And it just sometimes, man, it helps me appreciate just duck hunting in the places in the things that we do. I don't know if that makes like if I'm getting old that I like I enjoy kind of like the solitude at certain times or just like I just want to take like a moment to to appreciate all of it because sometimes when we duck hunt through the season it's just fast pace like run and gun you know there's just that fast pace mentality that's always kind of chasing you along all season um and it's not only that it's just because of life you know um working working your jobs our family life the holidays all this other stuff that's going around um and then duck season you know it's fast paced too you know you're you're trying to beat people to the spot you're scouting birds you're trying to make a plan all this kind of stuff and then you know sometimes it's it's nice to go back to the basics go back to the simplicity um so i just went out there i sat like a th- six uh goose floaters um, I had the motion ducks spreader, um, the basic one with four, and then I had two um, greenhead mallards as well. So that was my that was my full spread. I'm just sitting up on the bank, tucked up in some trees, right there, sitting by myself. I was there in plenty of time, like plenty of time, probably thirty minutes before shooting light. I was already sitting there with the jerk rig, uh, with the motion ducks right there in the in the the rig, right sitting next to me gun in hand and just waiting. So, um, and I went into this spot blind without scouting just because like I said, it was, it's a busy time of the year, busy time of life as well. And, and so got to sit there in the dark for about 20 minutes. Um, and then sure enough, here comes the first mallard, like 10 minutes before shooting light on an overcast day. Hmm. So that's early. <laughs> right. Right. I, he had to get busted off somewhere is my guess. Yeah. I guess because nothing, uh, nothing was roosting in there. Actually, some geese were roosting in there. Um, maybe I busted him off with the geese and he came back. But for the most part, there wasn't really ducks um, in in there roosting. So uh, he actually eventually flew off, which I was just like, okay, he's going to stick around for mm-hmm. for ten minutes. But eventually, he flew off. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, about five ten minutes after shooting light, the skies open up. And I tell you what, man, it was one of the most uh, beautiful shows that Mallards have ever put on for me. I mean, just dancing out of the sky and this spot, you know, I, I sent you a few Marcos of mm-hmm. it. One of my favorite places. Um, it's a backwater timber hole on the river. Um, pretty unique for our area. You know, we're not too different from Iowa where the majority of our rivers in the past were dredged. Anything that could be drained, you know, drained away, turned to agriculture. And then, you know, as um, as progress moves on, agriculture turns to um, modern day subdivisions and and everything else. So we live in a populated part of the area. So it's rare. uh, It's rare to find these little hidden gems, kind of a a little uh, trip back in in history when you when you find like a whole like this, um, tucked away. So, you know, we've talked about a, a lot of things in the past and spots and buddies and burning spots and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, so that these spots become even more precious, you know? Um, 
But all to say, the way the birds just have to work in, they got to work right over the trees and um, just drop wide, right in. And even when they drop in, sometimes they circle um, around. But it was just one of the the coolest shows I've ever seen of mallards. And I was being super selective, just um, watching them drop in and, and uh, you know popping off. <laughs> a drake here or there you're giving me a little bit of crap about it because <laughs> of my spill about like shooting hens and like you shouldn't shame people or whatever for whatever opportunity they have um and here you know now you're shaming me for shooting drake <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess i guess you don't you don't have anything else to say about uh, it you sure had a lot to say in mark yeah well the only thing i have to say about it is still not as good as a buffy show <laughs> a buffy show <laughs> yeah 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 i don't think so uh, okay but, um, yeah, so I ended up, you know, having a great hunt out there. Um, and just what I needed, like after, after, uh, the, the frustrations, even though it ended pretty solid of the last hunt. Um, and I will still say though, um, I really missed some absolute cupcake shots. I was still able you know, to, to, uh, hit, hit enough of the mallards to get it done. But, um, I sure, I sure missed like three, like three for three. Um, like not three for three, the opposite of three for three, oh for three. Um, I'd have to go back and watch the, the video, but it was multiple times. So, um, I missed some easy shots. So hmm. I, you know, I had to go back to the drawing board for, for my tip. I did hit some shots. I will say after the previous, the, the previous day of not hitting any, um, I was partially back to, um, out of my shooting slump, but definitely would consider it still a shooting slump. But like I said, it's just so awesome to, to duck hunt, man. Um, and I, I'll say this, like most of us, a lot of us this season have had, um, a poor migration. It's been warm. Um, the duck numbers have been down. We, we have not had a lot of prevailing North winds. There's like no snow cover to speak of. So, you know, we, we've just struggled. Um, especially I think people down South mm-hmm. this year, um, have struggled. And I say, especially when it's been like, uh, I've probably had more skunks on some of my good spots than any other year. And it's not, you know, I'm just going to go, even if I don't find anything and I scout, then I'll pick the next place I didn't get to scout and just hope that there's birds there. So I just want to kind of prefix that when I'm saying I get skunked. I'm like, I'm still trying to do my due diligence in in finding the birds. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have that and it just, you have some hunts where the birds really do it for you. Um, And I don't know, it just... Gives you a good feeling about duck hunting. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit redeeming after a kind of a chaos and chaos induced day, it sounded like. Right. Definitely. Hmm. So uh did you scout out that spot before you went? Did I miss that? Or did you just no, went in blind? <coughs> yeah. mm. This is the spot that we were talking about back and forth about whether or not you should go hunt it the second day in a row, right? Right. And about whether or not if you hunted it a second day in the row, if it would be as good or like good enough to justify hunting a second day in a row. Right. And it wasn't even two days in a row. It was like four days apart, three or four days. Apart. I thought it was longer than that. I thought it was like six, but regardless, <laughs> I just didn't, wasn't sure that this was that spot. Right. Yep. Cause we were to catch people up. We were having a little bit of a discussion about, uh, there's some spots around me that of a 60 day duck season, there will be someone duck hunting in that whole 60 days of the 60 day duck season. 
and be like marginally successful. Like if you have a group of two or three guys in that hole every day, they're going to shoot two to three birds pretty much guaranteed. And we were talking about whether or not that was possible in his area versus where I hunt and the reality of that or not. Yeah. I think the, my, my, uh, my answer to that would be, um, it takes some weather, it takes a cold front, it takes new birds, um, uh, because we don't have a refuge system and like a straight line mm-hmm. path of, of migration through our area. So it's just, it'd be very, without somehow getting new birds, it's not really, uh, worth hunting the same spot too close together. Yeah. You really need those things to bring back, um, the number. I mean, how far is your like nearest I mean, so when I say refuge, you know, not just like actual marked out refuge, but like a town that has a big enough park that holds birds that they leave the park and stuff like that. I'd still consider that like a refuge. Like, is there stuff like that around you that holds birds? No, not hmm. really, man. I mean, for late season goose, maybe we don't uh, like, we really don't get like duck numbers. Yeah. Um, if, if we have to put like a rank on it, um, I think I have to look again, but in years past, um, it's like Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, I, I can't remember where or who puts this out, but you can see like the rankings of waterfowl harvest per state, per flyway. And like, like just to put it in perspective, Indiana is like 13th out of 13th in the Mississippi <laughs> flyway. So um, like we're really far away from the Mississippi River. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of agriculture. It's, it'd be like really similar to Iowa minus having um, two major rivers on either yeah. side. Two major rivers right. and a central so, river that also traffics birds. Right. And so, like, all that to say is, like, I still love Indiana. We we got a lot of great waterfowl hunters that bust their butt. Like, I'm not trying to, like, diminish that. But I, it, it's, you know, it's it just should be stated that that's, like, the condition we're mm-hmm. in. Um, and still, like, if we want to make comparisons, um, we're still better than a lot of the Atlantic fly st- flyway states, in my opinion, as far as better in like opportunity yeah so i think that's what we lack is opportunity um compared to some other states and that's that's all it is Mm -hmm. Hmm. yeah i just it's just interesting because like where i'm at here and i you know when you grow up in an area you kind of think that everywhere is kind of like that area and you know where i grew up i've got within an hour of my house i can go to i don't know ten thousand acres of refuge in three different places like and that's all that's crazy birds that do not get busted up. No one's even allowed to go in it. Then the, on top of that, there's a couple thousand acres, 10, 15 places on the river that you're not allowed to go into that are left alone. Right. And then every city has got a park you guys, that holds birds and everything. You guys still have birds that migrate from the par- the prairie pothole region down the Mississippi river, Yeah, which is like, I think that's huge. Yeah, You know, the duck factory, um, when other places are losing population, that's still a stronghold of, you know, duck breeding and duck. So no, so no matter what, you know, you guys are going to have that coming through the Mississippi river. Um, and really, you know, it took me a long time, I think to realize that, you know, that, you know, it's, it's named the Mississippi flyway for a reason, right? The Mississippi river yep. flowing right through, you know, a lot of the Mississippi flyway States, um, you know, Minnesota all the way down to Louisiana. So, it's the, it's the lifeblood of the Mississippi flyway right there. And, um, you know, they got those refuges and all that, you know, for a reason, you mm-hmm. know, for the success of the ducks. And we get the benefit from that as well as duck hunters. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, 
And I think that the numbers play out a little bit better that more birds follow the Missouri flyway from like the prairie pothole region just because it's closer. But sure. yeah, I mean, yeah, but that, that, uh, you know, the confluence of the Missouri and the Mississippi, what is right there in Arkansas? Yeah, it would be, well, does the Missouri come in in St. Louis? Man, I have to look at that. Yeah, it should it's, be right, right around there in Arkansas. somewhere there. That region. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then the Ohio comes in in southern India, or southern uh, Illinois. So you get all the southern Ohio, Ohio yeah, River yeah. birds coming in right there. Right. So, but anyways, it's just, it, like I said, it's kind of weird to me to be like, you know, when I want to go check numbers, I go check refuges and I want to go check the, that kind of stuff. And yeah, you don't really have that ability. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a different ball game over here, but you know, we work hard. We, we find the birds we can, we still have a lot of fun with it. And even though it's not like the same amount of, of birds that we're hunting, you know, it's, it's just, it makes it act. It makes the birds act a little different. I think, um, it makes, Hunters have to act a little different too, um, as far as the way they hunt. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, if it's a good spot here today, and we got all these birds around, and more birds are just going to find this good spot tomorrow. It's like, well, we don't have the more birds. Mm-hmm. You know, we shot those birds, and and uh, if they're sticking around, they're not coming back. Yeah. So you got any other hunt updates? Like, I, I got one more kind of one. So you want me to get okay. my one here? Sure. So yeah, the it. last, well, I got, I got really have two. The The next one is the next hunt I went on was a skunk and it was on the first of the year. So I started off the year just fantastic with a skunk. And then I went on another solo hunt, which was in the same field. It was a solo, had about four inches of snow. It snowed again on the field. And I ended up setting the layout blind in a fence row. And I've always been told my whole life to kind of stay away from fence rows because the geese don't like to land in them. It's what I've been told. I have no idea if it's true or not, but this hunt proves otherwise. I had, well, I shot my limit of three geese and of three geese, I had four geese actually like land and walk in the decoys. And again, apparently geese on the ground are invincible because it took me nine shots to (laughs) shoot my three geese while they were walking in my decoys. And that was embarrassing to admit, you know, it should be like shooting a turkey at 15 yards, but you know, not, not how it went down. Have missed turkeys before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just like I'm sitting in the layout line and I didn't hunt out of the layout line much this year. So maybe that's part of why the shooting was kind of rough out of it on both of these hunts. But like right, yeah. yeah, I'd wait for them to land. They're walking in the decoys. I'd sit up and wait for them to get between two silos and shoot. And then, you know, you could tell you hit it, but not really. And then the second shot, tell you hit it, but not really. And the third shot would dump it out of the air. And I did that three different times, which is very upsetting but again it ended up being just a you should have uh good you should have got your layout and put it in your bathroom so you could look in the mirror for your gun. <laughs> practice looking at myself in the mirror make sure everything yep, looked yep. good yeah i i just i don't know i i think it's just because i hadn't hunted out of the layout much this year we hunted a lot out of panel blinds in the field and i really haven't hunted out of fields that much this year just generally speaking compared to last year and it's just I don't know. I don't know if that was part of it or just, I don't know. I probably just suck just one of those days, you know, and it was rough, but yeah, I had some solos come in and again, it was like that same feeling as the first solo hunt where it's like, I'm out here by myself. I'm, I've only field hunted for like three years, so I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't, I'm not as comfortable with it. You know, I can show up somewhere with my boat and a water spread, give me about two minutes and I already know exactly where every decoy is going to go down to a six inch radius. You know, like I know exactly what I'm doing. I know where the brush is going. 
but in a field, I, I just don't know. I'm kind of setting it up going off of what I've seen other people do and adjusting as it goes. So it was pretty, pretty awesome to watch the birds actually come in and land pretty crappy to watch me miss twice on all three of them. <laughs> so, but it ended up being all right and shot my birds. So nice. Nice. Well, you're, I mean, you're definitely having success. Though. Yeah. So, um, that's, you know, that's, that's great to hear. Uh, I love like this time of year. It's weird how, um, how I'm ready to like flip a switch when late season goose comes in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I just something about watching geese cup in, um, that's super satisfying, you know, big old honkers, you know, making tight turns coming in and, uh, you know, landing right in the decoy. So, um, I'm definitely ready for that. And duck is finally. I say finally, like it's a, a good thing, but like <laughs> they're finally uh, going out of season. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'll I'll ch- I'll flip gears one hundred percent to to goose here soon. Um, but that kind of like segues right into my next time because it was a, a mixed bag of duck and goose. So um, get out there, and I'm with my buddy Kev. We're canoe hunting. Uh, you know, one of the one of the most underrated uh, vessels for for water <laughs> for duck yeah. you might have heard. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. But, I totally uh, agree. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And so we get out there, and it's like it's one of the coldest days of the year, and you can just tell that we haven't been seeing cold like this because it's like effective. <laughs> um, it was mid twenties, but it was like twenty mile per hour wind. So it was wind chill. I didn't check what it was, but I'm sure the wind chill was you know, uh, like 10 degrees or something. I got out of the truck. I'm like, holy cow, this is so cold. <laughs> Didn't have gloves on. I'm like taking my straps off the canoe and like picking up the cold metal of the canoe in my hands. And it's like, oh my goodness, I need to get, I need to get my clothes on as fast as I can. Um, and so get all bundled up, get, you know, get the layers on. I got the grid hoodie. I got, um, I got, I always wear, this is, this is my go-to. I don't know what you wear hunter for hunts but i always wear the grid hoodie is my base layer i wear a regular hoodie and depending on like how cold it is is like how thick of a hoodie i i pick like you got kind of the the more like fitted real thin um like nice almost glossy hoodie yeah and then you got like the real thick like fm makes a real thick cotton um heavy duty hoodie and it's like on the real cold days i'll wear that one so i had that one on um and then i had the fa uh puffy jacket on top of that i almost never wear a different jacket just wear the puffy jacket on repeat and then my base layers kind of change a little bit so um yeah i think you're a little bit more if i said this before i think you're a little bit more impervious to the cold to me i'd be like look like stay puff marshmallow man in a 20 degree temperature (laughs) (laughs) oh man i'd have like yeah you know, like a base layer of like Miriam wool. I'd have like a shirt on and then a sweatshirt. And then probably I have like a, like a pullover coat type of a thing that I wear over top of a sweatshirt. And then I'd have like a, like a puffy jacket type thing on. And I'd probably have a windbreaker on over top of that. Like, <laughs> man, I get cold so easy. Huh? What? That's wild. Yeah. I pretty much just, that's, that's all I wear. So <laughs> If it gets any colder than that, like I might add like a vest or something like that, but you really can't get too much colder than like 10 degree, like wind chill. Yeah. Like as far as like season goes, it doesn't get much colder than that. Like one more piece of clothing on that will kind of, you know, seal the deal with all that. Um, so get out there, we paddle in and set the spread, 
get tucked in the cattails. These cattails were super thick. It was awesome. So uh, pushed the canoe up in there, barely could push it in there, and then like broke the cattails down all around it. Super, super, super good hide. And then like right away we had the first pair come in. The first pair of ducks come in, circled a few times. I could have shot them like twice. They kept wanting to finish to my left, and I was like, okay, they're going to finish like one more time. But it was like so windy, it was keeping them. Oh, up, right? yeah. And then I'd call hard, and I was trying to get them to circle in front of both of us. I just should have took the shot. So those ones didn't land with us. Eventually, they just didn't circle one more time. Um, you know how like if you call hard, they'll just stay up, yep. right? But if you call hard too many times, it spooks them, and they, they fly mm-hmm. away. So that was on me. I definitely should have had at least one, if not two of them. Um, but I just, you know, I guess I didn't, I didn't want to shoot because I felt like they'd circle one more time and Kev would get the shot with me and we could both take mm-hmm. one. So um, then we had two more come in and it's still dark, um, but they land with the decoys and Kev's like, can you, like, you ready? I'm like, I can only see one of them and I'm going to shoot your decoys if we shoot. And so he's like, okay, how about now? And like, they're just still like in the decoys, but it's dark. I'm like, I can see one. I can't see the other one. And so he just assumed that I could see the the other one that he wasn't going to shoot. And so he, you know, he said, all right, take them. And then we just both popped the same duck. (laughs) And here comes another one that hops out of the decoys. So we got one, not the most efficient on there. We probably could have just let him sit for whatever. But I don't know about you, but like sometimes... If your if your goal is to like you know shoot your limit or shoot as many birds as you can on a hunt, sometimes like it pays to be like quick and efficient mm-hmm. early, because if you wait too long, like let's just say you let them sit in the decoys, and you can kill two, and then two more come in, and then two more come in, all of a sudden you have like eight ducks in the decoy, and you haven't shot. Yep, yep, and you can still right? only shoot, shoot one, one or two out of the volley. Right, especially when it's dark mm-hmm. and they jump up off the water. As soon as they get in the trees, oh, they're invisible. you can't see yeah. them anymore. Right. So it's like you got to be quick so that you're ready for the next volley. Well, the next volley never came, like in the dark mm. or whatever, in the in the pre-dawn dusk. Um, wait, that's not the right word. Pre-dawn that's dusk? Is that how that works? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be midnight? How's that work out? <laughs> in the, the pre-sunrise dim light. There's not a fancy way to say that, but there probably is. I'm just missing it. Um, anyways, we had three more, actually we had a, a big flock of ducks coming. Kev's like, big flock, big flock coming, big flock coming. And three ducks just peel off perfect. You mm-hmm. know, I think I gave them like a couple of quacks and three just peel off perfect. They cup right towards us, two land right in front of Kev. And then this third one is just like hovering, you know, wings flapping. Doing the elevator right ride. Over the decoys. Right. Right. Well, no, he was like actually like already. Oh, okay. He was just looking for the right spot. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, the other ones land in front of Kev. This one wanted to land like right on the decoys. So just happened to be, you know, the two land in front of Kev and this one lands in front of me. So um, I shoot at it. He shoots at his. He kills his two. Um, this one, I think he shot like right before I shot mm. and it picked up. And so you could mm. see it picked up and then poof, my pattern hits the wall. That's a pretty good excuse. And, uh, I mean, it's on video. There's, there's, there's video proof of it. So that's all I say. And then second shot, boom. Oh, I should mention, I folded it on my second shot, but I should mention, I switched guns again to my tried and true. I'm a 20 gauge, 20 gauge guy. I've been using a 12 gauge like all season. Um, 
and just, you know, I shouldn't say all season. I've used 20 gauge just a couple times. This is probably the most I've hunted with 12 gauge all season. It's all because that Weatherby side by side. I've just been loving shooting that gun. It's been fun. Um, for whatever reason, I like kind of like unique guns, I think. Um, whereas like with the 20 gauge, I've always shot like classic Woodstock mm-hmm. opposed to um, the camoed out ones. I don't know why. It's just my preference. Um, so back to the Weatherby 18i Deluxe, which is like a really slick, cool looking gun, Woodstock. Um, but back to the 20 gauge. And I've shot that one really well just forever, too, since I've been since I've been shooting it. Um, and go back to that. And it was like I never was in a shooting slump ever in my life. Like, that's how my shooting was that day. I think that was the only shot I missed. Huh. Was that first one where, where I shot and the bird yeah. lifted up? Actually, where you missed. Yeah, that one. Because Right. I missed. And then he flew and fooled him on the second shot. So Kev gets the retrieve back from Kobe. Is like, I'm going to kill you. And um, so when it first came in, I thought it was a Pintel. Oh. And then as soon as that thought entered my mind, I said, no, it's not. It's a it's a hen mallard. So I'll admit, like, I was, like, we're supposed to be right on that kind of stuff. But I, there was no um, no duck that I could shoot that would make me yeah. by not being 100% sure. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the caveat on that. And I think, you know, that's a... Uh, as duck hunters, that's not a bad philosophy to live by. If it's a duck that you can shoot legally and you're not 100% sure, like you're not going to be, it's not like I had two hens already in my mallard. Yeah. And I was unsure what kind of duck it was. It wasn't like I was going to go over my black duck limit or already had a pintail or something like that. Right. So comes in as soon, <clears throat> excuse me, as soon as the thought of that's a pintail, like entered my mind, it was gone again. I'm like, right. I'm just like, yeah. It, I mean, it's not, December. What, what is there a pintail doing right. here? Right. So it's like, it's not, it's not a pintail. It's a, it's a mallard, a mallard hen. Shoot it. Kev gets it. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, it's bandit, isn't it? It's bandit. <laughs> <laughs> and he won't say anything. He's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> That's it. And, uh, <laughs> and so it was a, a Drake plumed out pintail. And I've been waiting to shoot. A Drake pinned out or a plumed out pintail for the for the entirety of my duck career. Like it was a running joke for a long time on the podcast and the videos and this and that. And uh, I was just so excited to shoot that. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, get the bird I've been waiting for. I would say it's more rare than a duck man. It's more rare, definitely more rare than a goose man. Um, it's more rare than a a non local <laughs> duck man. Like the one of the most rare things you can think of. Um, because I've shot three duck bands in my hunting career. I've shot zero plumed out. Well, one tells one. Oh, okay. Up yeah. to this point. Yeah. yeah. Up to this point. So up to that point, I'd shot zero. Um, so it's kind of like the ratio. Mm-hmm. In there. It's like, okay. In my area, at least in the, in my hunting, which I've shot a hen pintail. Um, I shot a pintail with you guys. It had a really nice sprig on it, but it wasn't plumed yep. out. Um, went to North Dakota Shot, shot a pintail, um, but again, it's the first one that I'm going to have the opportunity to the opportunity to mount. Is that what you're going to do? Is going to mount it? Plan. Yep, yep. That's the plan. Plan to to get it mounted for sure. It'll be actually the first bird that I pay for to get mounted. Really? So, right? Yeah, we've talked about it before. I've just haven't uh, invested the money into that, and I've really, honestly, I've been waiting for this bird. This is the bird that I wanted hmm. to mount. So, will you mount a can when you shoot yep. one of those? We'll see. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's hard. It's hard if uh, man, the price of birds is going up. Yeah, for getting them mounted. So uh, there's just a lot of things in life that I need to pay for. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that that's what it comes down to. Not a desire to not mount one because I'd love to have like a ton of mounts, but um, where I'm at, like as far as financially and family and this and that, um, it's got to be special for me to mount it. At yeah. This point. Not saying that a can's not special, but uh, so this print. This is the one that so I wanted, right. I have, you know how you're going to get it mounted. Go ahead. Um, I have a few pictures. I'm going to talk to the tam- taxidermist, but um, I'm going to get it mounted like it like I shot it. You know, it came off the busting off the water. Okay. Um, flying up, and I think that's a cool look to have one that's like that. So that's that's what I'm looking at when I looked at pictures. Is he going to be able to make it look like they're do. shot hitting the water right below it? hopefully (laughs) yeah so um the hunt ended awesome like we had it was one of those hunts i had to get to work and we just had geese dumping in there i shot my three kev was at his two the limit there is five and the geese that came in i mean we had a flock that all but landed so close and that's what i was talking about when i'm like ready for goose season like geese on the water like that like mm, it's mm-hmm. awesome. I love that. Um, especially when they finish all the way, kind of like the one did on the hunt um, prior to this that I missed, you know, just <laughs> cupped up backpedaling and um, actually hit two for three on that one. So that's the second shot I missed on that flock. My third shot I missed. Um, but besides that, those are the only shots I missed that day. Um, and by the time I was like out of the parking lot, like Kev had finished his limit, just more geese dumping in there. It was just an awesome day to be on the water. Cold, the wind, Mixed bags, awesome. So um, a great, strong finish to duck season. And uh, yeah, yeah. after a somewhat mediocre, a very mediocre migration, probably worst, you know, by a lot of data points that a lot of duck hunters have seen. Um, a very pleasant and satisfying way to round up the duck season. So do you want to, do you by chance know what you're, final numbers were or anything like that or how many hunts you went on I for duck season? Know. Uh, I don't hmm. know. Because well, you're, you're officially done now, aren't you? Or do you still have one more week? <laughs> I'm done locally, but you're never actually done it while there's a season. Open yeah, that's a good right? point. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, we got goose for like another, uh, five weeks. Yeah. So I'm not done. Yeah. I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like with ducks, the main right. main thing that you like chase. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not committing to anything. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh, well, you got anything else? Any other updates we should go over? No. No, I think it's probably a good place. To, uh, we've rambled for long <laughs> enough about our uh, endeavors and adventures and Oh man, I just I just love the places that duck hunting takes me. Man, I I haven't done this my whole life, mm-hmm. and I know you've you've kind of done it your whole yep. life. Um, and so there's like a part of my life where like this was missing, and like I used to get almost get like oh, like literal like duck depression, like when it would when it would leave. Yep. I just felt like I was lost. You know what I mean? But I have like I'm so busy, and I have so many things in life besides duck hunting. I don't get that way. Um, it's almost like, uh, what's the right way to say it? I don't take it for granted because, you know, I, th- I think it's almost good that it's here. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, because if it was just like a 24 seven all year long thing, I don't think we'd appreciate it. No. Much. Um, you know, but that the fact that it has like an end point and a start point and things to look forward to, um, it almost makes it even better. I think <laughs> in a weird yeah. way, as weird and non-intuitive as that sounds, I think that having a start and end point makes it better. And I love doing everything I can to like extend mm-hmm. that, you know, and play the game, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Yeah. Like you're like fighting to extend it, but at the same point, I'm glad that it has a start and finish point um, and that we can like bust it for this thing. That's finite every season. Um, yeah. I love duck hunting. <laughs> I mean, it's an amazing thing, man. It takes you to awesome places right. too. I mean, right. Yeah. Really cool yeah. places, really cool places, whether it's local and you're really searching for like your little honey holes and finding things or like you're traveling out and meeting buddies in Iowa or going to North Dakota for the first time ever. Or like, there's just so many adventures and different things you can do in different places and things that duck hunting can like do for you. And mm-hmm. I don't know. yeah, yep. Couldn't agree more. Alrighty. Should we go ahead and sign I think off? it's about that time. All right. I'll let you sign off this. Let time. me sign off. I don't know how to sign off. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Um, you guys know the mission of the podcast. I'm, I'm coughing a little bit. Hunter can't relieve me. So I'll, I'll tell you guys the mission again today. Um, the mission of the podcast, guys, uh, is to be entertaining um, and to educate a lot of youth coming up. And without the next generation of duck hunters, um, you know, this thing that we love and we cherish um, could be gone forever. Um, that kind of brings you the next thing. You know, the mission of the podcast is conservation. Um, we love having conservation groups on the podcast to talk about um, conservation, you know, and sometimes things seem dire and bleak, um, whether they, you know, whether they are or they aren't, it does seem like sometimes they are. And I think that's a good attitude to have towards it because we got to fight tooth, nail and claw, um, for conservation, you know, do what we can, whether, you know, no matter what it is, you know, no matter what avenue you take to helping with that conservation, helping with that conversation, um, you know, cause we want to, again, uh, have duck hunting and the heritage of that continue on. So, um, do us a favor and tell your buddies about the duck gun podcast. That'll help us spread the message. Give us a bigger and better voice and all those things. Um, that's all we got for today, guys. I'm Jordan from duck gun Chronicles Hunter from Iowa. <laughs> also from duck gun Chronicles. <laughs> also from the duck gun podcast. Yep. Right? Yep. Duck gun podcast. So, Hunter, but it just, it seems off to say Jordan. What I can say, this is Jordan and Hunter from the Duck on Podcast. And we'll see you guys on the next one. There we go. That, yeah. that works. <laughs>